You're listening to Casey Forum with Kathy Quinn. Public affairs with an entertaining spin. Hey everyone, Kathy Quinn here as you heard. Podcast number 14. I love it. All right, so lots been going on this week. Uh, we've had folks talking about uh, the Kansas Department of Labor and how they can't get in on the phone lines, and it's just been going crazy for these people, and I feel horrible. Um, if you have any suggestions, let us know, but we've been trying to, you know, we aired their stories, and um, some people haven't had money and any sort of uh, conversation since December, so we'll hear from uh, at least one woman, maybe two, who have had issues with the unemployment as well as the pandemic, the pandemic money that was supposed to come to them. And speaking of the pandemic, a lot of people depressed right now. It's part of this pandemic, and a lot of people are uh, trying to uh, soothe everything with alcohol and with, uh, you know, some types of drugs and things. So we're going to talk to an expert, and she's going to tell us what people can do for there is hope out there. And some uh, wonderful news about a nonprofit. It's called Halo. It's Halo Worldwide, and they help with uh, teen homelessness. Uh, they uh, have an online auction going on, and they do some fabulous work. You can look them up, haloworldwide.org. In fact, let us bring on founder and CEO Rebecca Welsh. Rebecca, please explain how you got involved with Halo Worldwide. In fact, uh, you were just out of college. So I took a trip right out of college to Honduras, a mission trip with an organization called Mercy Ships. And I met a little girl who was six years old during that trip who was begging me for water. Um, and her name was Daisy. And from the moment I saw her, I knew that I was going to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, I came back to Kansas City and Halo was started and now we're 16 years later and we're serving kids all over the world. Is there a problem? And tell me about the homelessness problem with kids. I mean, you can't imagine your own child being outside for two hours, three hours, much less having nowhere to go. Yes, it's, it is a, homelessness is a major problem, especially, you know, in Kansas City, there are so many kids who knock on our doors every single day that don't have a place to sleep at night. And it's hard for people to realize that or to really believe that because you don't see kids on the corner, right? Um, in the U S kids who are homeless, don't like to talk about it. They don't want people to know that, you know, it's hard enough to be a teenager as it is. Um, but we've seen our numbers skyrocket and even triple in the last 10 years in Kansas city youth homelessness. So it is a problem and it's something that we really all need to come together and solve together. Has the pandemic added, uh, another like nail to the coffin? Yeah, the pandemic has made it very difficult for kids to be able to um, just get basic services, right? I mean, at the beginning of it, agencies were kind of having to shut down. Uh, there were so many staff members who were getting it, and it's a residential facilities are very high risk, right? But the way that we've pivoted is we have something we call Halo Safe Haven and Halo Haven. I'm sorry. The way we pivoted was that we have Halo Haven, which is a program for kids who don't have access to Internet or a safe place. And they get a meal. They come in, you know, during the day when they would typically be in school. Um, they're virtually learning and they have access to Internet and to tutors and to meals. And it's, it's really helped out. 
Um, but yes, it's, it's the needs have increased beyond anything I could have imagined. We served 63% more youth in 2020 than we did in 2019. It was a dramatic increase. I will just say that, 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 that our partners are reaching out more often. Um, the kids that, that we serve are just having basic things that they typically don't have issues with. Some of them are starting to have those issues and, and, so that's why, you know, we've launched this capital campaign to build a boys home, a girls home and a learning center right out behind the chief stadium. And we're really excited about that because it will help solve that problem of the housing, housing issue. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's teenagers, 16, 17, 18 year olds who um, don't have a safe place to sleep. And people are like, well, where are their parents? Well, some of them, their parents are incarcerated. Others, their parents are addicted to something. Um, or abusive. So it makes it really difficult for them to be at home or they're not welcome at home. Um, so it, it is something that is a, a big problem in our community, but it's also something that we can solve. Why should I care? Why should the community care? Oh, that's not my kid. There are a lot of reasons our community should care about this crisis of youth homelessness. I would say the number one thing is that we're all human and that could be you or me in their shoes. Um, the second thing would be that on average, uh, youth who ages out of the foster system costs our community $300,000 in incarceration and um, welfare costs. So if we can reach those kids at the right ages, it will, we can forego that. Um, and just as a community, we should be thinking about if we don't help these kids, what is going to happen to them? You know, they're going to be the ones who are going to be incarcerated or who are going to be committing the crimes. And to keep our community safe, we need to be serving them and, and showing them another way of life. That's our responsibility as human beings. So Halo, how, how far out is your reach? We uh, work in all the way in India and Africa. We're in Mexico, um, but we have a very large presence in Kansas City. Um, that's our headquarters, and we serve agencies. We we go and partner with agencies and help them fill their holes that they might have. Um, so in Kansas City, we serve over 600 kids every year at our learning center. So kids from all the shelters come to the learning center, and they. Um, are offered life skills training and just things that they need to be able to age out of the system and be contributing members of the, our community. So this campaign right now, um, okay, so things got worse during the pandemic, more kids mm -hmm. were looking for places and they didn't have the needs and these homes, um, will it put a bandaid on it? Will it, how much will it help the situation? So, the Halo campus that we're building is going to help the situation in the sense that we'll be able to offer housing to boys and girls, but also have this learning center that will be a tool for other shelters to use, um, where we'll bring kids in and be a sort of collective resource for our community of homeless kids. And we'll be able to work together to solve the issue of child homelessness. And if we need to expand, we will find a way to do that. If we need to build more buildings, we are going to be on 37 acres. So we'll have the space to do that. How do people get involved with Halo? It's easy to get involved. You just go to haloworldwide.org. And on our website, there are a lot of different options, whether it's volunteering or donating. 
Um, we actually have a big event coming up, a virtual event on February 26th, and we will be uh, premiering a short documentary about a girl who is from Kansas City, who is an ex-homeless youth, and she says that poetry saved her life, and it's a really inspiring video. And then um, Oprah Winfrey is actually our special guest for that night, so we would love for people to tune in and watch and learn more about Halo. And, and how do they find out? Do they go to your website and there will be a link? Yes, there's a link on our website at haloworldwide.org. And what's interesting is you live in a small town, is it? <laughs> is it pretty small? Isn't that funny? Here's this girl from a small town. You did live in Kansas City time from a small town and you've reached worldwide. Yeah, it's something that, you know, I think when, when things are supposed to happen, they do. And this was something that was supposed to happen. It was in the cards because there's so many kids out there who are suffering and all they need is that one more person who will step up and say, hey, I'll volunteer or I'll give or I'll get involved in some way. And it, it takes one person. And that's the message that we try to tell people. And that is the message from Halo Worldwide. All right, we got more in the way. Don't touch that dial. Hang on, there's more on the way with Kathy Quinn and Casey Forum. Joining me now is Laura Sue Elias to help us with this pandemic depression. I am, so my title is, I have a, a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, so I'm a PhD, and I am a licensed clinical addictions counselor. Excellent. So okay. basically, I'm a, a, a clinical addictions counselor who has a PhD. What I'm talking about is um, the pandemic has created a lot of pandemic depression, blah, blah, blah. We know that. Now with this uh, affective disorder, the seasonal affective disorder, January and February. So here you got two on top of each other. Are you seeing people that are that are up, are having a lot of this, you know, going going on in their lives? Yeah. Um, so, Kathy, just one of the things about me is that I like to make notes as we as mm -hmm. we chat, so I don't lose information. So, as far as the pandemic and the seasonal affective disorder, so typically the people that I work with, you know, depression goes hand in hand with addiction and recovery issues. So you have a lot of people who are using alcohol and other substance abuse as a way to navigate negative emotions. And so those negative emotions lead to depressive disorders, negative emotions like fear, sadness, disgust, anger, frustration. And certainly when we have somebody who is already isolated from their community as a result of the pandemic, and then let's throw the, the weather on top of it. Um, and especially, you know, it isn't even so much like the cold air, it's just what comes with that cold air. You know, people are wanting to, you know, stay warm and there's wanting to stay huddled. And then you throw some cloudiness on top of it, like a lot of like what we've been experiencing, you know, it almost kind of becomes a perfect storm for people who have addiction and recovery issues. So that's the type of stuff that I'm seeing. What do you recommend for folks to, to not, let's say that somebody doesn't, that somebody's really feeling depressed. Like I just talked to a cousin and he's just like, he's depressed anyway. And then this is happening in the weather and he can't see people. And oh my gosh, what do you say to people like that? If you're a family, if it's a family member or a friend. 
Well, first of all, I think the first thing that we have to understand is that depression is not about people being lazy. And sometimes we forget that people who experience the depressive disorders, because of what's going on with them neurobiologically, the lack of dopamine, the lack of serotonin, healthy serotonin levels, that they tend to have like a lack of energy anyway. And so sometimes people as family members say, well, you're just unmotivated. Well, you just need something to do. Well, it's really more than that. You know, it's really more about, you know, what are, what are those things that people can do? So the first thing that I tell people to do is, you know, be careful, try your best not to get frustrated with your family members or your friends who are going through these types of situations and have some empathy with them. Make sure that you're doing, you know, little things like we can do little things during a pandemic to tell people that we are connected to them. We can send them notes, we can send them flowers, we can, you know, make sure that we have meetings scheduled with them. But those, those niceties, you know, that telling people, writing people letters and sending them through the mail. How important is it for us to get mail? You know, we get bills through the mail, but we get email from our friends. We get text messages from our friends. But, the, you know, correspondence, old-fashioned, good old-fashioned correspondence can mean so much to somebody who's having a depressive disorder. You know, that, you know, there are people that care enough about them to go to the local post office to go pick up the stamp and put the stamp on the card and send it in the mail to them. You know, that's about connection because that's the other thing that happens with people who have these types of neurobiological disorders disorders is that lack of connection that they're feeling with, with other people. And because of our pandemic and because we all are wanting to take our safety precautions, naturally, we're pulling ourselves away from other people. So connection and ties to people and feeling like they matter to people are so important for people who have depressive disorders. Unprecedented is the word that you hear all the time. In your line of business, is it unprecedented to have depression upon depression, but I mean, with the pandemic, I mean, we've never lived through this no. before. No, I know these are unprecedented times and we have to get really creative with um, how we're dealing with things and how we're navigating our lives around us and how our connection is with other people and stuff like that. But, you know, in my population, it, it's always unprecedented. You know, there's always an obstacle that happens for somebody and it feels worse than something else that's going on in our lives. So when somebody already has a depressive disorder, when something else happens around them, even if their depression is well-treated, they take it or they experience it differently than maybe you and I who don't have depressive disorder. I don't know if you have a depressive disorder or not. I don't. But um, so somebody who has a depressive disorder is going to experience a situation I don't want harder is the wrong word, but with more sensitivity than somebody who doesn't. So recovery for my population, it's always unprecedented. Is there hope? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I really think that there's hope. I think uh, hope lies in our connection to other people. And so I would encourage people who have somebody in their life who does have some type of like depressive disorder to do those things that I, I just talked about, like reach out to them and continue to reach out to them and be careful not to pick up um, being frustrated. You know, be careful not to pick up stuff that doesn't belong to you. Don't pick up that person's frustration. You know, you just do you. So if you're a kind, caring person, continue to be a kind, caring person. Does that mean that you have to get creative in your kindness and your caring for other people? Absolutely. Send flowers through the mail, send letters through the mail, write notes about how much this individual means to you and how grateful you are for their life.
and you know and what they contributed because again i mean people who have seasonal depressive disorder people who have major depression people who have other types of depressive disorders they feel like they're burdens to the people around them and you know they feel isolated already and they feel disconnected already and so connection is so important you know make a macaroni and cheese dinner and throw it on the person's doorstep you know that is perfect thank you so much hang on there's more on the way with kathy quinn and casey forum Apparently, uh, there have been problems with the uh, Kansas Department of Labor and the lines to get in for pandemic assistance and for unemployment. Lots of folks are having issues. I spoke with one lady who says she's not been uh, paid. She's not had a check since December 26th. Uh, Kind of explain the situation. So you guys are waiting for unemployment and it's just not happening. It's just not happening. We, um, myself, I I haven't received a payment since December the 26th. Um, I can't even get in to talk to anybody on the phone. I've been on the phone literally for nine days outside of the weekend trying to get through. That's from 8 o'clock to 4.15 every single day, me and my husband. <laughs> and so we're not a, we, we can't get anywhere on the phone. We get on the uh, web page. We can't get anything through there as well. We, we just, we're out here not knowing what's going on. And I'm on several different web pages where... You know, we're all discussing this, and we're trying to keep things positive, you know, but um, it's the unknowing. They don't keep their website up to date. I think the last time they posted on there was two or three days ago. We've gotten in touch with Laura Kelly. and Oh, you, you did know. get in touch with Laura Kelly? Yeah, I emailed her, and she said that they were looking into it or what have you, but I just I don't feel like we're getting anywhere, Kathy. What is going, what, how is this affecting your life? Well, it's affecting my life, <laughs> I, you know, really bad. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 50s. I've got a little girl here, and she's seven years old. So I'm homeschooling. I'm playing on the phone. She truly has fallen behind the last two days in her schoolwork because mom's playing on the phone. I'm not playing on the phone, but it feels like it. Um, for instance, I went to this last week to pay the property taxes on my home. I got up there. They were due December 20th, and here in the unified government, because I didn't have it paid by the 20th, they increased my property 50%, so my $500 tax bill went to 1000 Oh, my God. So yes, and it was only 40 days late. I'm like, that's not right. You can't do that to us. You know, I can prove I don't have any money, you know, and no mercy. They took my $1,000. <laughs> Did you notify any of your representatives there? Yeah, same thing. I got a hold of, um, I emailed um, Laura Kelly again. Isn't there something we can do? And I I haven't got any. Why don't you a- a email Mayor Alvey? Maybe I should. Yeah. Okay, I let, think let, I will. Let me know what he says. So, okay. uh, in other words, on this, this unemployment thing, this line, they put in a new line, and they've, they've fixed their website, but you're saying it's just no good. It's no good. Absolutely no good. The phone lines are no good. You could be in the queue. For instance, Kathy, my husband's literally been on the phone this morning for three and a half hours. We were surprised when we got him in there 
we were so happy when he got when he got to be on the queue or in the queue, you know. And um, so he's sitting there three and a half hours, Kathy. And just now, the woman, the extension, what have you, hung up on him. It hung up on him after three and a half hours with absolutely nothing resolved. Oh. Oh. And see what's happening. One of the gals did tell us. One gal did tell us what's happening is somebody's getting into. Say you get a text from the unemployment office and you swipe to see what that text was. As soon as you do that and you go inquiring about your unemployment, the hackers are getting your information and they're changing your banking information. And instead of it being directly deposited onto your card, they're having it redirected into a bank account. So therefore, it's showing that your money has been sent. This is my husband's situation. It has been sent, but it's sent to a bank account. My husband's like, I don't have direct deposit. I've been on this card, you know, the unemployment card. And they're like, okay, well, somebody's taking your money. Oh, my And then, God. yes, and then they hung up on him. So we don't know where he's at. I literally haven't been able to get I haven't talked to anyone in nine days. What do you want to see happen? <laughs> I want to see maybe, for instance, they could keep us all, there's bazillions of us out here, keep us informed on their websites. That's the least that they could do. Maybe get some other folks another answer the phone. And I know that they have because other people on other sites are saying that they've talked to other people, but it's like they don't, they're contracted workers, so they really don't know the unemployment system, so they're not getting anywhere. Kathy, I just feel like they need to update their webpage. They need, or keep us informed. They need to... Tell people on the news, do not swipe that. Do not swipe that. If you get a text on the unemployment, for God's sake, do not, don't swipe. Because that's how they're getting their personal information. All right, so that is Chantel's story. Uh, she's one of many folks who are having problems. You know, there's been a lot of fraud on the uh, Department of Labor in Kansas. So they're working on that. It's just it's just a shame. You know, it's been a hard time for so many people. We'll try to keep you updated on Chantel's story. If any of you know anything she can do, Email me, please, at kathy.quinn at fox4kc.com. We'll try to stay on top of this. And uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening to podcast number 14. I'm Kathy Quinn. Thank you to Katie Connors, our executive producer, Andrina Byrne, associate producer. Uh, we've got Doug Medlock, who is the voice, and the elders allowing us to use their music, as well as KQKC. They are a nonprofit. It is Broadcasting Music and Education nonprofit foundation so uh thanks to everybody and fox 4 as well until next time when we bring you stuff that's going on in and around the community uh have a great time we're going to end now as we always do with music this is from key and burn from the elders it's called all the love and actually it was named in the top 20 of most popular songs for 90.9 the bridge and here it is all the love